Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church family here in Yankton, South Dakota. Our episode today is from our series, Awesome Relationships. We all desire to have awesome relationships in our lives, yet they can be difficult to find. In this series, we're going to look at several key relationships in our lives and how, with God's help, we can make them awesome relationships. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, Celebrate Yankton. Thank you for inviting me into your homes this morning. I'm so glad that we're able to come together today. Go ahead, while we're going over some of the last few weeks, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. We're going to be reading out of there today. But over the last four weeks, we've studied awesome relationships. Pastor Jeff has led us through awesome relationships in our marriages, talking about the five purposes of an awesome marriage. And he talked about awesome friendships with the five building blocks, those five Lego blocks of awesome friendships. And then we had five keys to awesome families. Last week, Pastor Jeff brought us an amazing message on the five attributes of awesome moms with their love and their care and their hope and prayer and dedication. It's an amazing message. Next week, Pastor Jeff is going to close up the Awesome Relationship series talking about awesome churches. But today, we're going to learn about another awesome relationship, an awesome friendship with an awesome God. First, let us go over our series verse. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Proverbs 17, 17. So as I said today, we're going to talk about the, an awesome relationship with God. <laughs> when I think about that, it makes me shudder. I mean, I know I'm pretty messed up on my good days. And he's perfect. I mean, think about it like this. For those of you that are married or in a relationship, What if you're married to the perfect spouse or in a relationship with the perfect person? Kind of makes you, ooh, got to watch myself. But the nice thing is, none of us have that with our earthly relationships. We can have good earthly relationships, but nobody's perfect because we are not perfect. But we can't have that relationship with God. And so we say, well, what kind of relationship do I want to have with God? I know I've heard that question before. I've kind of asked it myself. But that's actually the wrong question. The right question is, what kind of relationship does God want to have with me? Scripture gives us all kinds of attributes about God. He's a creator. 
He's the maker. He's the Lord. He's our salvation. Our shield, our strength. Well, there's names of God that are only attributes of him that can be his because they are true. You know, Jehovah Nisi, the banner over us. Jehovah Rapha, our God, our healer. Jehovah Sidkenu, the God of my righteousness. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. Jehovah Rohi, God, our shepherd. He's got all kinds of names like that. Elohim, Elion, El Shaddai, Yahweh, Yahweh, the God of the covenant of love and commitment. An amazing, amazing God. Do you notice something about all those attributes? Almost all of them are relational. The God of a relationship. One of the huge things we know about this that we need to understand is that God wants us to know him. He wants us to know him. He never walks away. He never writes us off. He never says, I'm through with you. Instead, when times are tough, when times are rough, God is pressing in. God is calling us. I think of that poem with the poster of the man on the beach watching the footprints in the sand. And the Lord saying, when there's only one set of footprints, that's when I carried you. That's the relationship of our God. Jesus was telling his disciples in John 15, 15. It's part of the Last Supper. He says, I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. God calls us friends. God wants us to know him. To have a relationship with him. He knows everything about me, but he still wants to love me. He still does love me. He still wants that relationship with me even knowing all about me, about you. You know, we've heard the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. God made man, and then he made Eve out of his rib, put them together. He made them for relationship, relationship with each other. He said, it is not good that man be alone. And so he made Eve to be with man. But he made them for relationship with him. Because if you read in there, it says he walked with them in the evening, in the cool of the garden, to talk with them. He had a relationship with them. He was their friend. 
And we say, oh, and then they messed it up. Well, yeah, they messed it up. But I can't say I would have done any better. I mean, I look at my own life. You can look at your own. Given the opportunity, we always try for that thing that's forbidden. Whether we think we can handle it, whether we think, oh, we're, we've got this. No, we don't. It wouldn't matter if it was Adam and Eve. It wouldn't matter if it was Rod and Tylen. We still would have messed it up. Because our wills compete against God's will. So how was that fixed? Jesus went to the cross. But the cross wasn't punishment for us. He took the punishment. Jesus took the punishment. Why? Because the cross was a restoration of the relationship for us. Scripture says that Jesus said it is finished. And in that hour, in that moment, this heavy velvet curtain that was in the temple separating the Holy of Holies, where God was at, from the rest of the people was torn from the top to the bottom. God, through Christ's work on the cross, had restored the relationship that he could have with us. And now we go to Romans chapter 5. Verses 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That last verse, put your name in there. I'm going to put my name in there. While Rod was still a sinner, still sinning, Christ died for Rod. Christ died for you while we were still sinners. I think about that and it just blows me away. If somebody hurts me, my natural inclination is get them. Get back. Get my pound of flesh or whatever you want to call it. God's natural inclination when we hurt him was to put Jesus Christ on the cross so that he could come after us, so that he could draw near to us, so that he could press in on us and draw us back to him. That's how much God desires this relationship with us. 
Continuing on with Romans, verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Through Christ, we have been reconciled into friendship with the God of the universe. This is important. Christ's sacrifice is not about a free ticket into heaven. It's not about punching my ticket and saying, I'm in, I'm good. And it's not, I mean, yes, we do get into heaven. I'm not saying we don't. We do, through Christ. But what it's more about is the relationship. His desire to have fellowship. Scripture says we are the bride of Christ. And when we get there, there will be the wedding feast of the Lamb. Think about your relationships, for those of you that are married. When you and your spouse got married and had your wedding feast, was that the first time you really got to know your spouse? I'm guessing that you spent the year or so or two before that getting to know your spouse before the wedding feast. We are the bride of Christ. And the courtship is now. Jesus wants to get to know us now. Right now. The God of the universe, who has angels continually giving him praise, has only one desire. That one desire is for you, for me, for we, his bride. So, how can I have an awesome relationship with God? Well, first off, start by making God your number one priority and passion. Sounds simple. Actually, it's not that hard if we just think about it. But why is this important? Because you are God's number one priority. I am his number one passion. God loved us so much that he gave us this entire earth that we live on. He gave us this wonderful, beautiful planet. That's why we don't why we ought not to mess it up. We shouldn't be throwing trash around and destroying place. We should be taking care of it because it's his gift to us. 
when he made us, he said, be fruitful and multiply. Rule over the earth and subdue it. He gave it to us. It's our gift. That's how much he loves us. He gave us this gift. And then he's promised us heaven. Because through our fall, we've messed up this world. We've made bad decisions all along. Not just Adam and Eve, all the way through history, we've messed it up. And some of it's just the fallenness of this world itself, like this virus running around. Bad things are happening because the world has fallen. So God has promised us a new heaven and a new earth in the end times. And you know, some folks say, well, I am not interested in going and sitting on a cloud and playing a harp. Um, that's not heaven, folks. That's some artist's crazy depiction of a non-existent truth. Or it's not even a truth. When you think about this world and the beauty that's out there, and he's going to restore a heaven, and restore an earth. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be full of color. It's not going to be all white. It's going to be full of light. It's going to be full of color. It's going to be full of beauty unimaginable. And I mean, just think about it. I have sat on a cliff in the Black Hills up at Bethlehem Cave during a retreat. And I looked out over the vista and it was stunning. I've walked along streams and creeks. I've been to the Badlands and observed the stark beauty of that area. I have a brother who's a wildlife game uh, game guide. He leads big game hunts out in, in Wyoming. And he rides around and takes pictures of the high plains and foothills of the Rocky Mountains. And it is absolutely gorgeous. If that's this earth that's going to be replaced, can you imagine how beautiful heaven is going to be? It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be perfect because there won't be any pain, no suffering, no anger, no destruction, no doubts. God is going to have it all wiped away. And it's going to be perfect. All of this he made for you. All of this he made for me. This is why he says, make me your number one priority, and passion. Because we are his number one priority and passion. Is God your priority and passion? I'm going to ask you an odd question here. How, how many of you have a spare tire in your vehicle? Probably one of those little donut things with a funky jack that doesn't work. 
you know? You think about it when you buy the car. You maybe think about it when, when you're going to have to repair a flat. But I'll bet none of you were thinking of your spare tire until I mentioned it today. Are we treating our friendship, our relationship with God like a spare tire? Is he only there for us when we get in a fix and need to pull him out? Well, I can tell you, he's there all the time, whether you're going for him or not, going to him or not. <clears throat> but so many times we treat God that way. But he's not the spare tire. He's the whole car. He's the everything. Make God your number one priority and passion. Because he is number one. Whether you think he's number one or not, he is number one. He will not be second. So how do we do this? Well, you schedule it. You say, I'm going to get up. I'm going to set this time. And I would say preferably your first time. Because if you get up and start your day with God, then that sets the tone for the day. You've spent your time in God's word. You've spent your time in prayer. You've spent your time connecting with your Father and making that relationship something with Him and letting Him pour into you. And so... No matter what happens during the day, you know he's there with you. I mean, think about the scriptures that he talks about. In Deuteronomy 31, he says, I am the Lord your God who goes for, forth with you. I fail not. In Deuteronomy 32, he says, I am the Lord your God. I am the rock. I cannot be moved. Joshua 1.9, I am faithful God. I will fail not. I will not forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. Listen to those words. I am faithful. I am the good God. I will not let you be snatched away. I will be with you. He's there no matter what's going on in your day. He's there, especially when you start with him. The Apostle Paul touches on this. In Philippians 3.8, he says, What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. Paul had a lot. He was from an influential family. He had Roman citizenship. He was a Jew in the Sanhedrin. Well, he, I don't know if he was in the Sanhedrin, but he was studying under the chief teachers of the Sanhedrin. He was on his way to make it. And he said, I count it all garbage for the opportunity to know Christ. As we're getting to know God, we need to trust in him that what he says is true. We need to grab on and hold on with him. And we only get that by putting him first, by putting him in the priority position. 
So, by knowing God, first thing, he will pour into us and we will gain faith. Another thing is trusting. That's part of making him a priority, it's trusting. There was a small town church that was a farming community and they were suffering a drought. And the pastor, one Sunday, had a message about God's miracles and the faithfulness of God. And he had a great exhortation. They were, they were saying, Amen, and preach it, pastor, and all that kind of stuff going on. And he closes with the end and he says, All right, this week I challenge all of you to go pray that God is going to bring the rain, that he's going to work a miracle. Every day, pray, pray believing, and come next week ready to see a miracle of God. And so they went home. They were energized, and they were excited. And they prayed, and they worked the fields. And they prayed, and they took care of their livestock. And they prayed, and they took care of their equipment. And they prayed, and next week they were showing up. And one by one, the families were coming in and trickling in. They're excited, and there's a buzz going on. What's God going to do? What's We're looking to see. And the pastor sees him coming in. He's excited. And as more come in, he's not quite so excited. And as the latter ones start rolling in, he's a little upset. And Finally, they're all in there, and he stands up and gets up, and he says, Last week I asked you all to pray for a miracle. That God would be bringing the rain this week. And we prayed, Pastor. Amen. Hallelujah. And then he looked out at them all, his finger like this. He says, if you prayed and you believed, why don't you have your umbrellas with you? Are you believing? Are you praying believing? Are you praying believing? I mean, this hit home for Tylene and I. I mean, as we were working on this message, I'm like, we're praying for God to sell our house, and we're praying that he's got a buyer in mind, and are we believing? I said, we got to get packing, so we've started packing. We're cleaning stuff out, taking stuff to the dump, taking stuff to Goodwill, taking stuff out, packing things up, because if we believe God's going to sell... We need to be ready to go when he does. Praying, believing, is part of putting him first. Part of the passion. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Seek ye first. Jeremiah 29.13 says, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. James 4.8 says, if we draw close to God, he will draw close to us. So what is that telling me? I am as close to God as I choose to be. If I seek him, if I draw near to him, he's going to let me find him. He's going to draw near to me. He's going to draw near to you. If we seek after him, we are as close as or far from God 
as we ourselves choose to be. So if we're going to have an awesome relationship with God, we have to make him our number one priority and passion. The second point, I need to slow down and listen. You know, prior to March and all this virus craziness, the world was going on at breakneck speed. We had work, we had school, we had activities, we had sporting events, we had concert events, we had community activities, we had church, we had church groups, we had all kinds of stuff. We were running busy, 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 busy. When God spoke to Elijah, he spoke to him in a whisper. He didn't speak to him in the wind and in the thunder and the lightning. He spoke to him in a whisper. You're only going to hear a whisper if you slow down and listen. Psalm 25.10 says, All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. And it continues on in verse 14. It says, Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him. With them, he shares the secrets of his covenant. If you struggle to understand God, if you struggle to understand God, slow down and listen. I think about my relationship with Kyleen. If she and I only met for an hour once a week, and really we only had conversation for about 35 minutes every week, I don't know that we'd still be married. I don't know that our relationship could withstand that little communication. Now, God's not going to divorce you. But it speaks a lot about needing to slow down, spend time, and listen. So, I have a friend from Kansas. When we were down there for 10 years we met every week and we talked on the phone in between then we were good friends he was closer to me than my own brothers he was my sounding board I was his sounding board we struggled through things together walked side by side with each other and a lot of things and then I moved up here. And the distance and difficulties in communication and connecting, and all of a sudden, we had just lost contact. We didn't have a falling out. We just lost contact. And after the message a couple weeks ago on friendship, I reached out to him through Facebook 
and we connected again and we've been meeting chatting doing video chats and reestablishing that friendship God wants that friendship with you but it only is strong if you slow down and listen also in Matthew chapter 6 Jesus says but when you pray go into your room close the door and pray to your father who is unseen I like the way that the message says it. It says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can imagine. Then focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. That is getting to know him by slowing down and listening. David wrote in the Psalms, Be still and know that I am God. In Exodus chapter 33, I love this verse in there where it says that the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. We have to slow down Take the time and listen. One of my mentors has a phrase that he says all the time. He's said it to me many times. He says, you need to be a human being, not a human doing. Slow down and listen. The third point Daily, follow him. There's another rural town out there. Lots of these rural towns. We got a bunch of them. But they, this was a few years back, were just getting electricity. The rural co-op was just getting out to them. This is the first time they've ever had electricity. And there was one woman in town. She was determined to be the first one in town to have electricity. That was quite the status. And she got her house prepared and she paid the setup fees and she paid the, the other things that needed to be done and got everything ready to go so that she could be the first one hooked up. And everything was hooked up. And after a little bit, the power company was looking at the Numbers, and I'm like, she's not using her electricity. We're barely seeing a blip there. So they sent a man out, and he checked the meters, and he checked the connections, and he did everything, and it was all working. And so he went to the woman, and he said, Ma'am, everything appears to be working here. Um, why aren't you using your electricity? And she turns, well, I am. I use it every day. At night, I turn it on so I can light up all my oil lamps. And then when I got them all lit, I shut it off. Okay, now's the facepalm moment. <laughs> Why would you have such an incredible power and not use it? 
But, you know, we do the same thing with God. We have the almighty, all-powerful God of the universe seeking to be our friend, to be in relationship with us. And we want to pull him out of a pocket when we're in trouble. When a crisis hits, we got to get down and pray. God wants us in a relationship. To have that relationship be an awesome relationship, we need to slow down and listen. But we also need to daily follow him. It's not just once in a while. It's every day. This takes time. I've heard different numbers. Some of them said 21 days, some days 30 days, to make a habit. But make a habit to sit down every day, even if it's for the first 10 minutes of your day, to sit down and just read a verse and pray. Just to start connecting. Just to start connecting. We want all the benefits, but we don't want to invest the time. But getting to know an awesome friend, getting to know an awesome God, takes time every day. In 1 Timothy, Paul says, some people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. We know lots of things. There's stock market numbers. There's recipes. There's you know, songs. We all know songs. We know sports. Oh, wow. I've got a guy at work. He knows every sports score from all the teams and every rookie and every draft choice and all of the stats and highlights and anything you want to know about football. He's got it all down. And he's not only got it down, but based upon what he knows, he's He's making predictions about who's going to do what in the next season. If we can know so much about things that don't matter, that have no eternal significance, why can't we spend the time every day to get to know the eternal God? The only thing that will go with us forever. None of these things are bad. I'm not saying that no one watching sports is bad or you know, knowing songs and all that that's not bad. Making a living good. We all have to eat. But I'm saying excluding God so that we can focus on all those things is a waste. Whatever we attain, whatever we gain by all of this stuff. When we die, we don't get to take it with us. If it's material, maybe we can pass it on to our kids, but they're going to die. Eventually, some of this stuff, or all of this stuff, is going to wind up in a dump somewhere. The only thing that's not is what we do with God. What we do with the relationship. Daily, make the decision. Daily, make the time. Daily, make the priority. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, 
What good will it be for a man to gain the whole world and to lose his very soul? The world truly has nothing of significance to offer because we will lose it. So what is there but God who wants to be our friend, who died so that he could have this relationship, who gave everything he had for you, for me. So let us make knowing him our number one priority and passion. Let's all take time, especially now that we've got time. But even when things get busy again, keep time to slow down and listen. And keep that time daily, daily to follow him. Let us pray. Father, that you would come after us to be our friend is beyond belief and yet such a glorious, glorious blessing. You loved me even when I was acting your enemy. You died for me before I'd even considered repenting. All that you could make a way for me to be your friend. Lord, for all that you have done, let me in turn offer you the number one priority in my life. Lord, let me schedule my time to slow down and listen to you, to read from your word, to hear your spirit speak to my heart. And Lord, to schedule this daily, to make the time. Lord, I have time for everything all day long. I have time for work. I have time for chores. I have time for free time that I may watch a video or play a game or spend time with family. I can make time daily for you. Lord, help me to be committed to these things. Help us to take you into this relationship seriously and deeply. Father, if there's anyone here watching tonight, listening today, wondering how to get this relationship, Lord, I just pray that you pray, you recognize 
I need this God in my life. I haven't been living this way. I haven't been following. And I know I need a change. I come to make you my Lord. Let me make you my Lord. And let us have this relationship together that you've made. Father, as we go from here, let us go forward and share this friendship. For friendships are even better in groups. Lord, and that is what you've asked us to do. That we would share our friendship with you, with those around us. That they too would come to know you as friend. We ask this in your blessed and holy name. Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. Due to the COVID-19 outbreak, all our gatherings are currently online only. You can join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. on our website, yankton.church. During that time, we offer live chat as well as prayer. We also hold live online meetings the other six days of the week as well. For more details or times, you can email us at hello at yankton.church or you can call or text 605-679-7224. Don't miss our updates on Facebook or YouTube either. You can like or follow us there as well.